Poke your neighbor and say, you ready, you ready, you ready? Come on, you ready? Come on. There we go. Come on, y'all doing good this morning. Hey, we're on a series of lessons on Sunday morning called what? Anybody remember? A man in Christ. We've been doing this for several, several weeks now. In fact, today I looked, and I got a little note on my, my, my notes right here. This is our 11th lesson. Come on, we're going to be here for a little while longer. This is our summer series that's going to get in, us into uh, September as well. Uh, because there's just so much depth in this, in this teaching that I want to get over to you. And I think every week it just builds what we're, what, we're, what we're talking about. The key scripture we found, we don't have it on the screen for you, but some of y'all remember it, and online you remember it as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this, I, I knew a man in Christ. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. And he says, I, I knew a man in Christ. He, he says that he was caught up to the third heaven. And he says he heard things, he saw things. He, he, he said in verse 1, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I, I will. That'd be a good confession for some of y'all to say. I, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. God's going to give me vision. God's going to show me things. God's going to give me revelation that's a revealing of some things of his will, his purpose, his plan for my life, and maybe some things that are going on behind the scene, how the devil's trying to jack me up, mess with my family, mess with my business, mess with my mind. I, I need some revelation. The Holy Spirit is the God of revelation. Come on, everybody. He reveals things to us. In fact, you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and that's exactly what it says. doesn't reveal it to our mind, doesn't reveal it to our body. He reveals it to our heart. The Holy Spirit will continually reveal the will, the purpose, the plan of God, the word of God to you. So Paul says, I, I will come. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And then he says, I know a man in Christ. And he's talking about himself, we found out weeks and weeks ago. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't even know, but God knows. And that brother, he's talking about me. I was caught up to the third heaven. Caught up to the third heaven. Well, again, by way of reminder, if there's a third heaven, there's a second heaven and there's a first heaven. Go back and listen to what we talked about concerning that. And he calls it, then he says, he was caught up to paradise. Caught up to paradise. And so last week, we really kind of talked about uh, setting the table for where we are today in, in our teaching is that we talked about where was Jesus after he was on the cross? Where did he go? What did he do? What, what was that all about from the cross to what we know that Jesus actually said that as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, I will be, the son of man will be three days and three nights in the center of the earth or the belly of the earth. Jesus says, just like Jonah was in a confined place, I will be in a confined place. And what we know from the scripture is that Jesus went to the place called Hades or went to the place called paradise that was under the earth. It was a compartment that was under the earth. When people died before Jesus was resurrected, listen to me, hold on to your seat one more time. People didn't go up, people went down. They didn't go down to hell, they went down to Hades or paradise. A place, a compartment under the earth. Luke 16 says that there was a place for the righteous, there was a place for the unrighteous. And there was a divide or a fixed or a fence or a, cat or a ravine that if you're on one side, you can't get over there. Or if you're on the other side, you can't get over there. But you could see over there. You could hear over there. You could maybe even speak over there. 
Because the Bible says in Luke 16, there was a rich man who fared sumptuously and delighted in all his stuff daily. And there was a poor beggar named Lazarus who was daily laid at that brother's gate begging for the food that that brother ate. In fact, he wanted the scraps that that brother was throwing out and they wouldn't even give it to him. Both men died. The rich man, the Bible says, was taken to hell. And the poor man, not because he was poor did he make it to heaven, but he had faith in God. He was actually carried by the angels to paradise. Abraham's bosom, the scripture says, under the earth where he was ministered to, he was comforted, and the other brother was in torment, it says. So we found out that Jesus didn't go to hell. Jesus went to Hades. What did he do there? He went to the paradise side. He went to that compartment side. But what was he doing? What did he do? The scripture tells us that he was proclaiming his dominion. He was proclaiming his lordship over Satan, fallen angels, and over every demonic principality and power there ever was. He declared his lordship over all creation. Things created, things not, th th things, um, every being, anything, principality, like Ephesians 6 says, world rulers, he proclaimed his lordship that he now is king of kings and lord of lords. Come on, everybody. That's the God you serve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's, just, let's just say this. What, what else did he do? He proclaimed his lordship. So, so from that point, when he was then raised up after three days, what was going on then? So again, get it the cross, get it the crucifixion. Come on now. The, the body goes in the grave. The body's in the grave, but Jesus is somewhere. The body died, but Jesus didn't die. His spirit, his soul, went to paradise. His spirit, his soul, went to Abraham's bosom. He proclaimed his lordship. He proclaimed his dominion. He proclaimed him as king of kings, lord of lords, over every principality, over every demon, over every being, over everybody who said that God's a liar, God's fault. He proclaimed the gospel. He proclaimed his lordship in that time. And then he rose from the dead. Come on, everybody. Remember? He rose from the dead after the third third day. And, and the scripture then says he went to heaven. Come on. He went to he What did he do when he went to heaven? Here's what he did. He presented his blood as the eternal perfect sacrifice for our sin. This is what he did. All morning long for the next 35 minutes or so, I want to talk to you about the importance of knowing about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was not ordinary blood. The blood of Jesus, we're going to find out, was perfect blood, sinless blood, holy blood, unblemished blood, the only blood that will redeem you, restore you, renew you, cause sin and the power of the curse of Adamic curse broken in your life. The blood of Jesus is what it's all about. Can I get an amen? 
In, in the book of Genesis, we'll read a scripture in just a moment. But uh, after Adam and Eve, y'all remember this, we talked about this recently again. Uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, God told them what their lives were going to be like since they rebelled. He, he told them, man, the earth is going to be cursed. Adam, you're going to have to forge this thing. It used to be beautiful. There's going to be weeds growing now. You're going to have to hoe out. You're going to have to plant. You're going to have to cultivate. You're going to have to make this thing work now. It ain't going to be like it was before. And by the sweat of your brow, it's going to be arduous. It's going to be work. That is what we're under now. Thank God heaven won't be like that. I believe we're going to have occupation. I believe we're going to keep increasing. I believe our mind's going to continually be renewed. I believe there's things that we're going to be doing forever and ever. I don't understand it all. I believe it from Scripture because we're not going to be floating around in a harp, you know, sipping lattes, you know, playing God's good. Come on, everybody. Uh, that's not what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing stuff. There's going to be commerce. There's going to be, come on, some galaxies to, to check out. Come on, everybody. Come on, it's pretty amazing to think about. Uh, but but, but th these guys, after they sinned and after they rebelled, God said, hey, you know, Eve, you, you know, there's going to be some pain in your childbirth. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. You, you're going to have a desire for that man, but it ain't always going to be good. There's all kinds of stuff when you read in the curse. He cursed. The ground was cursed. Man was cursed. Eve was cursed. The devil, the serpent was cursed. And the ground's got a curse now. That is what we are dealing with now. Hmm. But in the middle of it all, God brings a caveat. And God says... God says, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, he didn't say this, but this is what he's going to do. He's going to give them mercy. He's going to show grace extended. He, he, even though they sinned, he, 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 didn't, he didn't block them. Come on, he, he didn't unfriend them. He, he, didn't, he didn't delete them. He still was going to be their God. But for them to be able to commune with him, something had to change. Because sin separates. Sin broke the fellowship. And what we find out in Genesis 3.21, this one scripture that can be easily overlooked and forgotten, it says this, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. God didn't go to Walmart. He didn't go to Nordstrom's or Macy's. He didn't go to Amazon online to get same-day shipping. He actually, Scripture says, he made clothing from animal skins. If an animal is giving you its skin, it is giving you its life. An animal had to be killed. So we have here in Genesis chapter 3, as we read throughout the rest of the Old Testament, and then we're going to see the fulfillment in the New Testament, and we'll spend an inordinate amount of time for our scriptures today in the book of Hebrews, and we'll tell you why in a moment, that the thing that uh, caused the connection back to God wasn't good works, wasn't I won't do it again, wasn't please, 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 begging, 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 wasn't rehabilitation, wasn't just thinking happy, good thoughts that, that I won't do that again. No, it required blood. An animal here in the book of Genesis and for the entirety of the Old Testament, even while Jesus was on the earth, even when Paul was preaching, this was still going on with the Jewish people. Animals' lives were being offered to God to then atone or cover or remove, supposedly in the Old Testament, we'll talk about that, 
their sin from their life. The scripture tells us that from this sacrifice, check it on the screen, this act by God began the only way that man could be made right to enter God's presence. Listen, it required blood. It always required blood. Sin requires blood to be shed to bring that sin to an end, that sin to be no more remembered, that sin to be forgiven, or that to be remitted. It always, always, always required blood. Hebrews 9.22 says this, And according to the law, almost all things are purified. I'm adding a couple words to this translation. Almost all things are purified and cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The word remission means forgiveness, release from sin and guilt. According to the law, Old Testament law, almost everything that was purified and cleansed had to be purified and cleansed, not with, just, not with water, not with anointing oil, almost all of it cleansed and purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, of the animal's blood, there is no remission, there is no forgiveness, there is no release from sin, check it out, and it's guilt. It's one thing to have the sin removed, it's another thing to have the guilt you've done the sin gone in your life. So, to break the effects of sin, a blood sacrifice was required. Uh, um, you all re will remember online as well, um, the Exodus, uh, in, in the book called Exodus, how, how the people of God, from the time that you read the end of Genesis, how Joseph was the second leader in charge under Pharaoh, and the earth, come on, it was prospering, he prophesied seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, and they saved up 20%, that's a good thing to do, in the seven years of famine, and it carried them all through, oh, excuse me, seven years of plenty, and it carried them all through the seven years of famine. That's a whole other Bible story right there about prosperity. While you got some money, you better save some money because there's going to come a time when it ain't so good. It's called, it's called the way the cycle of the cursed earth works. There's abundance and there's lack. There's good times and there's challenging times. And so when there's good times, young person, come on, middle-aged person, elderly person, you better save some of your pesos because it ain't always going to be that way. Come on, everybody. Right? Right? And so he, he was raised to prominence, and, and yet the scripture says after decade, after decade, after decade, after decade, after decade, they forgot that brother and what he did. And the nation of Israel was growing in population, and the Pharaoh said, my God, these people have got more people than we are, and they're slaves, and it's, they're kind of like a bunch of ants, and, and, and we're wasps around here, and, and if we let them know how mighty they are, they might just take over us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give them some tasks to do, we're going to make it hard on them, we're, we're, we're going to put them to slave labor and that's exactly what they did and yet they started crying out to God and God heard them and then God sent him a deliverer and his name was who? Moses. Moses. So God sends him Moses and Moses shows up to Pharaoh. We, come on, we know the story and, and there's the plagues, there's, the, there's these nine plagues that are there and then finally the very, the very last plague is the plague of what? The death angel, right? 
And so God says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go through the nation of, uh, I'm going to go through the Egyptian nation. I'm going to go everywhere. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go through over your house. I'm going to be around you. I'm going to be over there at their place as well. And he says this. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to smite the firstborn male, child, or animal in the land. The firstborn's going to die unless I see something. Unless I see something. What was it that he saw? God gave him a plan. God tells him, here's what you're going to need to do. You take an unblemished lamb, a spotless lamb. Don't give me the one with one eye. Don't give me the old, the old, the old, the old scabby lamb. Get an un, give me your best lamb. Give me the top. Give it to me and kill it. Kill it. Drain the blood. Eat all of it. Roast it with fire. Everybody, everybody. And take the blood and apply it to the doorpost of your house. Again, we know the doorposts are symbolic of what? Come on, the cross. The cross. Take this lamb. Take this unblemished lamb, this perfect lamb. Uh, it's interesting that, that John the Baptist, when he, he was Jesus' cousin, y'all know, and when he sees Jesus coming, and Jesus is actually going to ask him to baptize him, John sees him coming from afar and says, Behold the who? Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John calls him the Lamb of God. That's exactly who he is. The one who's perfect, the one who's unblemished, the one who has come not to be the unblemished perfect lamb that we go down to the county fair or you know San Diego fair and, and you go into the farm area and you see everybody that got a beautiful lamb and they're gorgeous and they're paraded around. That's not why Jesus came to be paraded around. He actually came as the perfect one so his life could be given and his blood shed to bring you and I back in perfect harmony with God Almighty. Come on, somebody say amen. Wow. Remember, what, he, remember what, what, what God told Moses and Moses told the people? He says, you need to eat this thing in haste. You, you need to eat. When you eat this unblemished lamb, everybody in the house, roast it with fire. Come on, take the blood, put it on the doorpost of your house. And, and he said, eat this, eat this lamb with your clothes on. Eat it with your belt on. Come on, everybody, eat it with your sandals on. Eat, 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 it, eat it with your tunic on because he says, get ready to move. Get ready for change. The power of the blood has the capacity to change everything in your life. Come on, everything in your life. So, so, so communion, when we take communion, we eat it in haste. We eat it prepared. We eat it clothed. We eat it recognizing this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. I can change. My mind can change. My will can change. My, my, my desires can change. My body can change. I can have the life of God in me. I can do all God wants me to do. I can be all God wants me to be. My life's not over. I'm eating with anticipation. Come on, everybody. Man. Eat it with your staff in hand, man. You're getting ready to change. The blood changes everything. God said, and God told him. Remember what God told him? He says, when you apply that blood, he said this, when I see the blood, I will pass over. That's why we get the word and the name, Passover. Whoever was in the house when God saw the blood lived. Lived. The blood, come on, Leviticus says, come on, there's life in the blood. 
where the blood flows, the life of God flows. Just physically. We know that if there's no, if somehow there's stoppage of blood to a certain part in your foot or your toes, and and then we know that the circulation is not working right, and and it changes funny colors, and then God forbid with amputation and you know stuff like that, just because the blood flow has been damaged and and there's not the proper circulation. We know the importance physically of the blood, but how much more important is it when we know what the blood will do for us spiritually? What it will do to our minds, what it will do to our wills, what it will do to our emotions. If the blood can change and can work in our bodies, think what it can do in our souls. Think what it can do in removing the stain of sin in our life. Make, listen to me, make much of what the blood can do. Speak about the blood. Come on, somebody. Sing about the blood. Oh, come on. Come on, everybody. Oh, oh, those old times. No, come on. What can wash away my sin? Oh, Jesus, help me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on. Nobody said I could sing, but make a joyful noise. Come on. Come on. What can make me whole again? Come on, everybody. Nothing but the. Come on. Come on. Precious flow makes me white as snow. Come on, everybody. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If it can work in my, physically in my body, come on, blood's moving in my body. In fact, the Bible actually says when we get together, there, there, there's blood flowing in the body when we get together. No, 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 natural, no, no, no natural blood transfusion that you're helping a brother out or plasma going from you to somebody else. But there's a spiritual transaction going on continually. <laughs> come on, thank God for the blood. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. Come on, anybody want some things passed over your life? Yeah, and my kids and my grandkids and my family. Come on, they received divine protection in the Exodus. Divine protection by, by, by not just, when, when they heard it, they just didn't go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they actually had to kill the lamb, eat the lamb, roasted all of it. If they didn't eat it all, they weren't saving it in the microwave for tomorrow. Everything went in the fire. Burn it all up because tonight's different. This is a different night. The blood then has to be applied. You couldn't sit around going, you know, I think if we put the blood, you know, uh, we're going to be protected. Not what you think about it, but what you do about it. And I think a lot of us in the church have remembered maybe what the blood did, or maybe we think it's a little bit old-fashioned, or maybe you sang about it at the XYZ church, and that's a little bit too graphic or gross or a little bit too out there. No, 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 no. The blood of Jesus is working for us now. Make much of the blood. Come on, everybody. Divine protection physically in their life. The death angel passed over. Their firstborn male child didn't die. Their firstborn animal didn't die. So, so, so what do we do? What, what, what do we need to do? Listen, look on the screen real quick. We have faith in the blood of Jesus by applying it to our lives with our tongue. With our tongue. What do you mean, Pastor Gary? Old Testament, God tells Moses, Moses tell the people, when you kill that animal, that unblemished lamb, and drain its blood, you put it in a basin, then you take hyssop branch, you take the branch of the hyssop, you dip the branch in the blood, and you apply. You don't use your fingers, you use the hyssop branch, and you apply it to the doorposts of your life. 
we take our tongues and we quote unquote dip it in the blood of Jesus and we speak about what the blood will do. The blood's saving me. The blood's delivering me. The blood's restoring me. The blood's healing me. The blood's prospering me. The blood's giving me the mind of Christ. The blood's all around me. The blood's protecting me. I'm speaking about the blood. I'm, come on, I'm slinging blood. We speak about the blood. Praise the Lord. Come on, remember Re Revelation 12, chapter 12, verse 11. Scripture says this, and they overcame him, the accuser of the brethren, Satan, the serpent, by the blood of the lamb, and what? And the word of their testimony, loving not their lives unto the death. So I'm not going to think about my own life, not be too, too, too easy on myself, not, not going to think this is too hard for God. No, no, no. I'm going to overcome the enemy. I'm going to overcome the accuser of the enemy in my life. How? Not by just what the blood does, but my testimony about what the blood does. We, the, the blood of Jesus has all the power to save humanity. Everyone on the earth, every man and woman and boy and girl, every single person that's ever lived, the blood of Jesus has got the power to save, deliver, restore, heal, change. Come on, any situation, and number one, going to heaven, being right with God, but, but doing whatever the will of God is for their life. Listen, but it's not just about knowing about it. It's about speaking and applying it with the knowledge of what you know about it. So the question would be, how much do you know about what the blood of Jesus Christ already paid for you? <laughs> we need to know. We need to know. Now, in the book of Hebrews, you mentioned a moment ago, and we'll read several more scriptures before we close today. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish believers who understood the Old Testament prophets. They understood the Old Testament law. They understood all those ceremonies. They, they got it all. They understood all those blood sacrifices from the time they were little, that they saw it. They saw the priest doing it. They, they understood uh, uh, what, what all that was going on. And we know that the majority of the early Christians were actually uh, were actually Jewish. Were, of course, they, they, they were Jewish. They were, they were the Hebrew, these Hebrew Christians. Almost all of them were Jewish, of the Jewish descent. Then Paul comes along, and Paul starts going to the Gentiles. We know that. But the writer in, in, in Hebrews, in chapter 9 specifically, he, he writes about the priests, the high priests. He writes about the temple. He writes about the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. He talks about the mercy seat. Some of y'all remember reading this. He talks about these different articles inside, the candlestick, the, the, the table of showbread, the golden laver. He talks about all these articles in, in, in the Holy of Holies. He talks about the symbolism in it, that the high priest could never go in the Holy of Holies without blood. Uh, with, if, they, if there was no blood, he would die. They understood this. They, they understood this. And, and we sometimes, we, we pick it up in the New Testament without looking back at the Old Testament, looking at all the stuff they went through and what they needed to do to be right with God. And all of that is now done in the person of Jesus Christ. L listen, in, in, in the, in, un under the Old Covenant, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9, check it out. It says this, both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot, notice this word, gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to conscience. 
even though the gift, even though the sacrifice was offered and performed before God, it could not make the man or the woman perfect in regard to their conscience. There was always that sense. We would say this. Just look on the screen here. I wrote this for us. There, there was always the remembrance of sin. The, the people were never free from the guilt, from the shame, or the condemnation, or the sin that they committed. Year after year, sacrifice after sacrifice, week after week, they would come with an animal that needed to be slaughtered so their sin could be remitted, could be removed, could be atoned, could be covered. But, but every time they went, there was this consciousness, this is who I am. I'm a sinner. I'm under this. I can't get free from this. Every time they brought it, there's like, here I am again. Here I am again. I can't get over this. I can't get free from this. I'm held by this. I'm a, we would say, I'm held by this Adamic nature inside me. I can't get away from this. This is just who I am. Time after time, their conscience is telling them, this is who they are. Now, now let me say this here, because I, I was studying this past week. Just pump the brakes for a second here, because so, so, this, is, this is real with everybody. Is that what do you do? What do I do with the remembrance? You've done something. You've done something. Let's all, let's all be real. You've done some heinous things, as I have. You've said some things. You've acted some things. You've done some things before Christ. And let's be real. You've done some things after Christ. We all have. We, we all are guilty before God. But, the, the, but even when you ask God to forgive you and his blood cleanses you, what I've seen time and time again is people still live under the dominion of what they did. That thing gnawing at them, never free from that. The conscience always remembering the sin and bringing you down into a spiral again. Well, I did it yesterday. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it again. I remember what I did, and I thought he took it away. I thought he took the desire away. I thought, he, I, th I thought he changed me, and, and I came up for prayer, I fasted a meal, and, and, and I'm still in the same situation. The Scripture tells us how you and I can get free from that. And listen to me, it's so simple, but it's so, it takes discipline in your and my life to, to, to act on it, and it's just simply this. You have to meditate the Word long enough so that you see exactly what God sees. You see yourself free. You see yourself delivered. Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And he was caught up to paradise and he heard things inexpressible to utter. He heard things he couldn't tell anybody else. So there is a place in God where you can be free from the sin of your past if you will meditate the Word of God long enough till you envision something different, till something different is revealed to you, and where you start hearing things in your own life that you are free. So if you're thinking about it, if you're not free from it, you need to understand, we need to understand, the power of the enemy is broken over your life by the blood of Jesus. And we need to, listen, three easy thoughts. We need to receive it. 
This is done by me receiving by faith what Jesus has done. Number two, I need to believe it. I need to be persuaded in my own thinking. I'm not that anymore. That's not me any longer. I believe the power of the blood of Christ has set me free and has delivered me. And then lastly, I need to act on it. I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going down that path anymore. Otherwise, it'll be repeated. And listen to me, it might not repeat in the next week or the next month, but it will be repeated in your life unless you receive it, unless you believe it, unless you act on the Word of God. Verse 11 in Hebrews 9 says this, So it wasn't with these gifts and these sacrifices, which can never make somebody perfect, but the writer of Hebrews says this and tells us, but what is going to make us perfect? But Christ came, the anointed one came, as high priest of the good things to come, the greater things, the more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, not made of this creation. Haven't got time to read it all, but you understand what he says the greater, more perfect tabernacle. That the tabernacle, the tent, the, the, the outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies, all the articles God gave to Moses because that is exactly the replica of what's in heaven. It's a replica. And Christ came of a more perfect tabernacle that wasn't made with hands, that's not of this creation, but it's actually in heaven. The copy we had in the Old Testament was from God gave to Moses that was earthbound, that removed their sin. It, it remitted their sin. It covered their sin, atoned for their sin. But now there's actually a tabernacle in heaven that Christ is residing over, not with the blood of animals, but with his own blood. Hebrews 9, 12. If you miss anything this morning, don't miss this. The writer then says this, not with the blood of goats or calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. This is the holy of holies. Again, get it with me, Old Testament. Outer court, inner court, holy of holies on, on the earth. The high priest could only go once a year with blood. Now Christ has entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption, securing an everlasting release, I've added some words here, an everlasting release and deliverance for us, making us free from sin and its effects forever. This is what Jesus did for you and me. Listen to me, once and for all. He will not go to the cross time and time again. He did it once and for all. His blood was applied not to an earthly altar, but his blood was applied to a heavenly altar once and for all time to obtain for all of us and for eternity eternal redemption from anybody who makes Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The Adamic sin nature is broken. 
any sin you commit now when you come to him and ask him to forgive you is now covered, it's removed, it's gone. The the consciousness of it in your life can be removed. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation, the fear, the insecurity of being away from God. uh, maybe, Maybe God's out to get me. No, 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 no. The blood of Christ removes it constantly from your life, but it was a sacrifice that was done once and for all. He tells us this completely in verse 26, but now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin. How? By the sacrifice of an animal? No, but by the sacrifice of himself. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Lord. Come on, I'm winding the plane down. Look at Hebrews 9, 24. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands. Here we go again. He's telling us the same thing. Which are copies, check it out, of the true. Copies of the true. But he is now appearing into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. Jesus Christ, your and my King, Lord, Master, the, the, the ruler of heaven, now came to the earth, the scripture says, and he's appearing in heaven itself, appearing in the presence of God for you. What, 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 do you, what do you think Jesus is doing in the presence of God? The scripture says and calls him a mediator, a go-between. He's a go-between between God the Father and you. So, somebody said this so beautifully, is that when God sees us, he sees us through the blood of Jesus. If God sees you through the blood of Jesus, listen to me, you need to see you through the blood of Jesus. And you need to see yourself through the blood of Jesus until all the sense of guilt and sin and shame is gone from your life. No longer living in the fear and the worry and the condemnation of something you've done. Somehow you've ticked God off and, 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 and no, no. Jesus Christ became my sacrifice. In the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant, their sin was covered ceremonially and symbolically by the animal blood. But what we know is that under the New Covenant, or the New Testament, our sin is removed and our conscience is cleared by the blood of Jesus. And now, Hebrews 7, 22 says this, Jesus has become a surety. He's become the guarantee. Come on, that's pretty good of a better covenant, one that can never be replaced or annulled, one that's never going away, never going away. So so I said earlier, make much of the blood. What what, what did Jesus do from the cross? And then he went to to Hades or or paradise, Abraham's bosom under the earth. For for three days he's preaching, he's he's testifying. He's he's speaking of his dominion, his lordship over sin, over Satan, over the ability that now that, that nothing can separate anybody from God's love and God's purpose in their life. And then he was raised on that third day. And he went to heaven. The scripture says we read it and he took his blood. How all that worked, how, I don't know. But he took his blood and he presented it to God the Father. Right there before the mercy seat. You know the, the Ark of the Covenant. It's got three articles in it. And over the Ark of the Covenant was what was called the mercy seat. Two angels with their wings stretched out one toward the other. And that was a place where God said, I'll meet you at the place of mercy. Man, if you think God's going to meet you at the place of judgment or condemnation 
and finger pointing and you're never going to be it. You're never going to be enough and, and mad and angry and all that crazy damnable religious junk. That's not who God is. God meets us at a place called the mercy seat that's been sprinkled with the very blood of Jesus that cries out. Come on, the Bible said that, that Abel's blood's crying out for vengeance over the murder of Cain. And Jesus' blood is crying out now for mercy, grace, grace, salvation. Come on, wholeness for mankind. That's what his blood is crying out. There's, a, there's an Old Testament saint. She wrote a book. and Her name is Grace Ryerson Roos, R-O-O-S. And she said this. I wrote down a couple things for you. You can go back online if it's too quick to read it. But she said this and talked about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus purges me of every defilement of the enemy. The blood of Jesus keeps and guards my mind day and night. The blood of Jesus prevents deception and aborts every attempt of the enemy to deceive me. The blood of Jesus is my divine covering and protection against all the fiery darts of the evil one. The blood of Jesus is alive, so full of life and grace, it perfects everything in me to the perfect will of God every day and in every way. Come on, somebody. Because of the blood of Jesus, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Come on, we sang that. There's not one thing in me the blood cannot cleanse. Not one thing. So what do you do? Every day, you take, you take the hyssop branch. You take your tongue and you speak. You, you, you speak. Come on, you're a speaking spirit. You're made in the image and the nature of God, the likeness of God. He created the earth. He spoke things into being. That same God is inside you. You're one spirit with him. You're not creating worlds and you're not creating seas, but you're speaking his will, his purpose, his design, his desire in your life based on what God already said. Come on, make much of the blood. Come on, there's not one thing in me the blood doesn't cleanse. I'm, I'm going to dip my tongue. Come on. I'm going to take my tongue like a hyssop branch, and I'm going to speak about the blood of Jesus. I'm going to speak about the blood of Jesus over my wife, over my kids, over my grandkids, over my church. Come on, over my business. Come on, over my future. I, I'm going to speak it over our city. I'm going to speak it over my mind, my will. Come on, church. Over my emotions. Come on, I'm gonna, over my ambitions. I'm going to speak it over my fear, over my worry, over my insecurities, over my desires. I plead the blood of Jesus. Come on, everybody. I make much of the blood of Jesus. Come on, stand up, everybody. I make much of the blood of Jesus. Come on, make much of the blood of Jesus. Perfect blood, holy blood, cleansed blood. The blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Man, book of Hebrews chapter 10 concludes this kind of thought and he says this, the writer in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12, but this man, capital M man, the God man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, come on, what did he do? 
he sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 13, from that time, waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. God's waiting for you and I to make every enemy of the cross, every enemy coming against your life, come on, his footstool. We do that by proclaiming about what the blood has done. We make much of the blood. A man and a woman in Christ knows what Jesus did from the cross to the grave. Come on, from the grave to the sky. Come on, everybody. He's there. He's ruling. He's reigning. His blood and his sacrifice has restored and redeemed and remitted all your sin. Didn't just cover your sin. It's no longer there. The scripture says he casts our sin into the sea of forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. If you keep going east, you ain't never going west. You're always going east. You're always going east. You're going to go east. He, he, he just, he, he casts it away. He casts it away. So why would you remember it? If he says, I don't remember it. Why would you let that detour you in your relationship with God? Why would you let that be in your conscience a hindrance from entering in and, and joyfully experiencing the power of your redemption and salvation? Come on, all over the room, let's lift our hands. Father, we just thank you for the blood today. Come on, just tell them that. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood that redeems me, the blood that restores me, the blood that saves me. We make much of the blood. Come on, just lift your voice. Let, let, come on, let them hear you this morning. Come on, come on. That's what we do. We plead the blood. Come on, just right now. Use your voice. I plead the blood of Jesus over my body. Come on. You're facing some sickness, some disease, some symptoms. I plead the blood of Jesus over my body. Heals me. I'm talking to organs. I plead the blood of Jesus over my organs, over my eyes, over my mind. Come on, over my body, over my joints, over my bones, over my muscles. Come on, I plead the blood of Jesus. Come on, I plead the blood of Jesus over my grandkids right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over my kids right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over foul, wicked spirits sent array against our family. We plead the blood of Jesus. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. If you did it then in the book of Exodus, you're doing it now, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We th we, we're eating in haste. We're eating, Lord God. We're believing you right now that you're working, oh God. I see the blood. Come on, come on, the blood's working. Come on, we make much of the blood. Come on, church. Come on, online. We make much of the blood. The blood's making a way. Come on, we're building an ark. As we build an ark, as we speak about the blood, we're carried, we're delivered, we're kept by the power of God. Come on, the blood is working. Come on, the blood is renewing. The blood is restoring. Come on, the blood. He makes all things new. We make much of the blood. We speak of the blood. We glorify you, Lord God, today. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Come on, what can wash away my sin? Come on, nothing but the blood. 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 Come on. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your generosity, oh God. You've done for us what we could never do for ourselves. We're eating today. We're partaking today. We're, we're, we're moving today closer with you, Lord God. Work in us, oh God. Work through us. Thank you for the blood. Come on, thank you for the blood. Come on, the blood's going before you right now. Come on, the blood's going before you right now. It's changing some things in your mind. It's changing destinies right now. Come on, the blood of Jesus. 
the blood of Jesus. Come on, the blood of Jesus. Come on, church. Come on, the blood of Jesus. We magnify it. We magnify the blood. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, right now for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your generosity, oh God. All over the room. Come on, just right now. If you need a heart change, come on. You need, you, you need sin removed. You, you need restoration in your life now. You're away. Come on, you're distant. You know you're not right with God. You know that there's a struggle. You know there's sin that you've committed that maybe you've never even asked God to forgive. Maybe you were born again, but, but you're in the middle of some stuff. Come on, you're in the middle of some sin. Come on, right now. Right now, we're going to see a victory. Come on, we see a victory. We see the victorious one, Jesus Christ. We see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, don't see your sin. See the blood. Come on, don't see your sin. See the blood. Come on, we run to the blood. We run to the altar. Come on, we run to God. We run to the cross. We run to the sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Come on, all over the room, online as well. You're away from God. Come on, everybody, let's pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I recognize my need. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I believe with my heart. I say with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord. Be my Savior forever and ever. I repent. I change my mind. I change my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and I'll never be the same. Come on in Jesus' name. Come on in Jesus' name. We're new. We're changed, oh God. You're working in us again. Thank you, Lord God. You make all things new. Come on, let's sing this song. Come on, everybody.